Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's been a kind of a different week. I had a, a event with Dr. Rayner earlier in the week in Knoxville and on the way back from that, I uh, got a call from my dad in Louisiana that my mom had had a minor stroke. So got back to Nashville, jumped in the car, took off, uh, and I'm now in Louisiana recording this. So it's uh, it's been kind of a different week. Uh, my family is spread out all over the place. Beth was at uh, kids camp this week. Ethan's at a missions trip, and we've got friends keeping the two littles. And then now I'm in Louisiana. Uh, so it, it's it's been a bit of a difficult week. Yeah, it's been a really uh, crazy week. You know, got back from vacation a um, week and a half ago, sort of had a, a fairly normal time last week. Then I just spent a few days uh, at the beginning of this week with uh, the North Carolina Baptist Minister's Wives, uh, which is a, a group, kind of a self-sustaining group that uh, gets together. They have a, a meeting at the state convention, and then they have a retreat every summer. And so I went and uh, got to be their speaker this year and just had a wonderful time, loved being with those ladies. Uh, they are, are just, they're just out on the front lines uh, serving faithfully in their churches, and it was a real encouragement to spend that time with them. So did that at the beginning of this week, and then heading to uh, Japan with a group from Southeastern. So by the time this actually plays, I will either be in the air or already over there. Um, I think I might be in the air when this drops. So we'll have to really see next week uh, what what it looks like. I may be on the phone again or I, you know, sending some recordings. We'll, we'll have to see how it is once I get on the ground, but we'll be doing some work with, uh, IMB missionaries over there. And, uh, I'm looking forward to coming back and sharing about my experience. Well, I'm excited to hear what happens over in Japan, Amy. I know you've been looking forward to this trip and uh, a lot of the, the students from Southeastern. So excited to see uh, how they're getting to go on mission over in Japan. And I know a lot of our Southern Baptist seminaries have uh, missions, things going on right now. Uh, there's some. There's a group, I think, in Oxford from a few of the seminaries. There, I know your group's overseas. There's other groups all over the place. And uh, we are always grateful uh, to our sponsor, located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.e. D U. So, Amy, let's jump right into the news right now, and uh, we've got an update on a story uh, that we talked about just a few months ago. Uh, there was a an issue over at uh, High Point Church in Memphis. Uh, the lead pastor, uh, Chris Conley, had backed uh, the uh, one of the associates or teaching pastors, I guess, there, um, whose name was Andy Savage, a former. SBC uh, youth minister, and uh, he had resigned. Savage had, after a uh, accusation of sexual impropriety, uh, whenever he was at a church 20 years ago. Um, it, a lot goes on. We covered it on the podcast. If you're interested in that story, you can go back and find that podcast. Just search Andy Savage here on the website. But uh, just an update to that story, and kind of a, a couple of other stories here, and I'll let you talk about them in just a minute. But uh, Chris Conley has actually resigned now from the church after uh, kind of in the fallout of everything that's happened. But there was a story in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram by our friend Sarah Smith uh, about John Finley, another Memphis area pastor who had been at a church in Texas. 
at Travis Avenue Baptist, just uh, right down the road from Southwestern Seminary. But there was allegations brought against him uh, for sexual abuse of two teenage girls 37 years ago. And uh, he has resigned recently. And uh, I'm going to let you kind of walk us through uh, this story, as well as uh, another story involving uh, maybe the IM involving the IMB, South Carolina Baptist Convention, and Mark Aderholt, who has been uh, arrested recently uh, for sexual assault. Yeah. So, you know, the the one story that involved the associate director in South Carolina uh, is something we've seen developing for a little while. There have been a, a few reports of it. But obviously, where this has has gone with formal charges, it's really gotten to a, a real point of seriousness. And uh, then this other story in uh, Te- Travis Avenue and then carrying over to Memphis, never saw that coming. I mean, it was just a really uh, out of the blue, it seemed like. I think what it tells us is that there are more stories out there than we want to assume. These things are so difficult to take as a parent. It's really difficult to take, especially as a parent of uh, kids in a youth group. And I know you uh, you have one that's in the youth group as well. It's really hard to fathom these types of things happening. So part of me is, it, it, it's interesting. I feel very conflicted. One, I'm just tired, you know, I uh, weary as I'm sure a lot of people are. Every time that I hear a story, I just think, man, I can't take one more. And then on the other side, I think, well, if more of these stories are out there, um, they don't need to live in the dark. And this feeling of me not being able to take one more uh, is nothing compared to the burden that a lot of these uh, women, and in some cases men, have walked around with for years. And so we need to welcome the Lord turning on the lights as hard as it may be. I just am heartbroken as I hear these stories. And I think we are going to have to start thinking really hard all of us, I don't even mean this from a, you know, any one particular entity or anything. I just mean all of us saying, we are going to take this seriously, very seriously from this moment forward. And uh, so right now, I'm just, I, I, my heart is broken um, for the women in this situation. And then uh, really just praying that if there are other situations that are sort of under under uh cover that are are in the dark that the lord would uh would do his work and would really reveal what needs to be revealed so uh really really tough stuff to handle it is difficult amy and it's something that we've talked about several times and even had an extended discussion on the podcast about uh so we will follow these stories see where they lead and uh I, i fully expect other stories to come to light in the future. Another thing that we talked about last week on the podcast, we kind of alluded to it coming this week, uh, was the announcement of a new Supreme Court justice nomination. And that has been made by President Trump. Yeah. So this, uh, of course, there was a lot of chatter in the days ahead, you know, short lists being shared around. I know you were pulling for uh, the one named Amy, which would have been, you know, kind of fun. Uh, but of course, we heard as it began to approach that it was likely going to be Brett Kavanaugh. And so we've, you know, a lot of, lot of folks have, have stepped up and, and given their support 
Um, I think this is going to be an interesting one to watch because this seat in particular, you know, when when it's, uh, as we said before, when it's almost kind of a trade that uh, same for same, that, you know, Scalia's seat taken by someone who's very similar to Scalia, that's one thing. Um, when it's a total flip, you know, that's always really intense. Uh, in this case, you know, with Kennedy being the swing vote, it really doesn't matter, or often being the swing vote, it really doesn't matter uh, which direction it w- was going to go in. It's going to be something different. It's going to take the court somewhat in a different direction, more than likely, um, because he's just had such an impact on so many decisions. So, uh, so this is going to be a contentious one. I mean, it, it really, really is. So I'm just praying for a lot of like just grace and truth in the way we handle things. Um, even, you know, as we, you know, may watch this and, and have a lot of people that support, uh, Kavanaugh, you know, even in our words, the way we talk about it, that we would just be really uh, careful and, and patient, grace-filled speech. I got to tell you, and this is always what I think about. I What hit me was I saw an infographic about the current justices and maybe I think kind of where people land on the scale of, you know, more uh, liberal justices versus more conservative justices. And so it's interesting. But then when I looked at the pictures, it hit me that now the longest sitting justice on the bench uh, will be Clarence Thomas. And I felt really old. Clarence Thomas is the first uh, confirmation hearing that I can actually remember um, I remember watching it. I was in high school. I remember listening to it on the radio. Of course, that was a really, um, really controversial one. Uh, but still, I, I had some awareness. I've watched a lot of confirmation hearings through the years. And to, to step back and realize that now the court will be made up entirely of people that I have a real, you know, straightforward frame of reference for that I can remember them sitting there answering questions. It really made me feel old. Um, in 2000, so I think I, I can't remember if I've said this before. My dad uh, was a litigant in um, a case as the director of, of uh, an athletic association that went before the Supreme Court twice. And ultimately, he he won in a nine to zero decision. So we were happy about that. Uh, the But kind of the final ruling on it. But when we went in 2000, the first time around, uh, I got to sit in there for the whole case and Clarence Thomas was all the way down at the end. He was like second from the end because of the way they sit. You move closer to the middle, the longer your tenure is. And so I stepped back and realized even, you know, in kind of the time I've been an adult, he's moved all the way, you know, from the end to the middle. So just a really uh, interesting thought of kind of our experience that, that for those of us in, in our generation, our age, this really is going to be sort of our, the court of our time. So, uh, th- this will kind of, uh, bring that full circle. So really fascinating. It'll be, uh, a- an interesting one to watch for sure. Now we're going to head over to your state, Amy, over in North Carolina. There, uh, was a, a announcement this week that none of the elected officers will be running for, uh, a second term this year. So president, vice president, second vice president in the state uh, convention of North Carolina, none of them are going to run again. And our friend Seth Brown and the guys over the biblical recorder, they put together some information on this. It's uh, just kind of surprising though. It's it's not something we typically see. 
Yeah, so that seemed to be a really big announcement this week. And, you know, all of them, it was just expressing that they just can't do, you know, time-wise. It's just competing time demands. Uh, they just can't seek another term. But that really does kind of open things up. And so already, out of the blocks, um, two announcements have been made uh, for that. So John, one of them uh, being for second vice president, so a, a pastor from Silva, North Carolina for that. But John Mark Harrison, a pastor of Apex Baptist Church, is going to be nominated for president of the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina this year uh, in November. And John Mark's been on the podcast. He has, and I don't think a podcast guest has ever lost a state convention presidency race. Of course, I don't think we've had a podcast guest run for state convention uh, president. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. I, I know the uh, our good friend Matt Caps is the pastor's conference uh, president. He was actually on the podcast with John Mark whenever we talked to them. Uh, I think that was around episode 99 or so because it was right before our 100th episode that we recorded over in North Carolina. So uh, it's somewhere around 100, but you can go back and listen to that and all the great things they're doing with the Young Pastor Network there in the state of North Carolina. Yeah, we had a great conversation uh, with John Mark and Matt Caps, uh, the Young Pastors uh, Network, just really doing some great things. And so uh, that will be um, a new face. And um, so it will be exciting to see. I will be there, um, expect to be there during that, you know, time, that time of business and election. So uh, we'll have to see if another uh, nominee gets announced, uh, but will be interesting to watch for sure. It will be, and uh, we will be paying attention to a lot of those state convention annual meetings that are coming up this fall. Uh, we do that every year, cover all of those, have a checklist even, Amy. And uh, so we'll be doing that once again this fall. Those start up uh, in about two or three months, back in uh, about October or so. All right, so we got some interesting news about uh, the SBC messengers. Uh, we got sort of the final report. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, that was uh, fascinating. And, and something that we talked about in our recap show, because we, we talked about how the room looked younger, it looked different, and there were so many first-time attendees. Uh, the official messenger count was 9,632 with all the people who came, guests, exhibitors, credentialed press, others, 16,032 people. Uh, so it looks like about 6,400 extra people, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, if they were exhibitors, uh, guests, just credentialed press, the vice president for one, uh, was in that number as well. So, uh, we had a, a great crowd, 16,000, just an incredible crowd there, uh, representing 3,796 churches. So a little bit under 10% of the churches in the SBC were represented, uh, this year, uh, as far as who sent the most, uh, by state, Texas, obviously number one, uh, but we had 48 states and District of Columbia. They don't really mention the two states that don't have anybody, so maybe we'll see a list on that later on, uh, the two states that didn't. But Texas sent the most. Louisiana was second. Tennessee third. North Carolina fourth. Oklahoma fifth. Those should not come as any surprise, uh, mainly because Tennessee, you've got a, a few entities here that bring quite a few people, the Executive Committee, Lifeway, and ERLC. I bet those three entities alone account for about 200 messengers, so that kind of inflates that number. Uh, but uh, North Carolina, uh, you know, with the, both of the presidential candidates being members of North Carolina churches, obviously sent quite a few people. And then Oklahoma being close to Texas, that should not be a surprise there as well. Uh, here's something, Amy, we've talked about 64% of the messengers last year were men. It was about two-thirds again. So we're right on the two-thirds, one-third uh, men and women 
uh, breakdown. But the big key was younger. Of the people who filled out a survey, uh, which was uh, 1,300, so you had a pretty good survey sample of uh, the the group there. So it's it's large enough to say this is pretty accurate data. Uh, 25.2% were between the ages of 18 and 39. So we had about a quarter of the messengers were under 40 years old. Only 26% were 60 and above. So uh, in the past, that number has been 21% under 40, 32% above 60. So those numbers came together both right at 25%, you know, 125.2, one at uh, 26.7. So that was fascinating to see that you had a, um, a, a lot of younger people at the convention. We saw that. We saw the first-time messengers when they stood up. It was obvious that there were a lot more first-time messengers there this year. And then also senior pastors uh, were the largest. There were 39% this year, 47% last year. So we had a lot more staff, a lot more non-pastor people at the convention this year than in the past. So we're getting more people engaged, a, a kind of a different group that has been engaged in the past. And it's good to see the younger generation uh, jumping in there and, and those who maybe aren't just senior pastors jumping in there and saying, this convention is important to us and we want to be involved in the process and we're going to show up. Because as we know, decisions are made by those who show up. Yeah, a couple of things that I noticed in that, um, 35% of those who completed the survey were attending their first SBC annual meeting. So that really fits well. It says the average over the last 16 years was at 21% were attending for the first time. That's a huge jump to 35%. The idea of getting younger, that is really uh, encouraging just because of what how that bodes for the future. And so we hope that that will just mean continued uh, higher numbers of messengers. Uh, I know that usually on kind of the off year um, with elections, um, we don't necessarily see as many, but I'm still going to hope. Let's break 10,000 in uh, Birmingham. Come on, younger messengers. Keep keep going. Let's see all those first-time messengers come back and see some new first-time messengers coming as well. Uh, but it's it, it's great to see a new generation getting involved. Another thing that came uh, to my attention last Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, mainly because of personal connections, was uh, the, the crisis kind of going on in Haiti. There's a lot of missionary uh, groups over there, missions trips groups from churches, uh, adoptive parents, even tourists, uh, different things uh, from not just the U.S., but from all over who were in Haiti, and the airport shut down because of protests this past week. Uh, it, kind of a crazy story, a little personal connection there, Amy. My neighbor uh, from the house that we just moved from over in Lebanon, uh, the, our neighbor, Carrie Vaughn, uh, she was actually there in Haiti with a mission trip from a local church in the Mount Juliet area, was stranded, and uh, we were kind of you know trying to track along with her on Facebook. Finally, they got back later in the week, but it was a little bit uh, a little bit scary over there to to know that we you know had I, I know we weren't alone there's a lot of people yeah so we're very glad that most of those uh, mission teams have been able to return uh, that's uh, is really touchy um, and I know scary I mean Haiti has not been a an easy situation for a, a long time off and on um, but we're grateful for the service of uh, of those individuals who were there and uh, for the grace of the Lord just in protecting them. Yes, we are very grateful for that, Amy. 
And uh, that's going to kind of do it for the news this week. That'll bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1950. Um, it's the Baptist Press article from July 14th. And this is uh, one that's fun for my seminary for Southeastern. And it's a headline that says, Young Minister is First Enrollee in New Seminary. So this is right when um, they've decided, you know, to to put the new seminary on the campus of, of Wake Forest. It's not been that long before. And when they announced it, it looks like someone sent in um, a letter of application. Coley E. Rock, Jr., um, sent a letter to Nashville addressed to Dr. Duke McCall, who at that time was the executive secretary of the executive committee. And so then they referred it to uh, the the person who was secretary of the board of trustees at Southeastern at the time. And then we're letting everyone know, hey, if you want to enroll, go send it to the board of trustees, uh, not to Nashville. But uh, so that was kind of funny. But it's exciting to see that when it gets announced that people started saying, Hey, I want to go. Someone stood up. So sort of a uh, first, you know, first letter of interest, um, and plan to enroll. I need to go look him up. You know, I, when I get back, I'm going to have to check that out. We had someone come and tour the campus a few years back and they went down and looked at his record. And when they pulled it out, that individual actually was the first student to matriculate because his student ID, his student ID number was one. Uh, but I don't think it was this man. I'll have to, to ask. So he would have, th- this man would have been the first one to basically submit an application. And so I'll have to have to see what he did and, and what degree he got. Uh, so that's kind of cool. There's also a very interesting article a little ways down um, that says, uh, it, it just basically says that the headline is condemns square dancing. It doesn't even say who condemns it. Uh, but in the story, it does. A Corpus Christi Baptist pastor, L.L. Roloff, told local Christian businessmen that square dancing should be condemned. And when a church loses its power with God and with men, it begins to entertain its members with a dance program. And that's it. Nothing else. No real added caveats or further. Uh, so it's a very, very straightforward press release. No square dancing. And I thought that was an interesting one to bring up from this same uh, issue as well. So, uh, no square dancing, but yes to Southeastern Seminary, all happening this week in SBC history. Wow, that is amazing. Baptist Press continues to be filled with nuggets in its history, and I appreciate you bringing those to us every week. Wow, what a story. All right, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Your resource of the week is? My resource of the week actually is another uh, article. It was uh, first published in the Biblical Recorder, and then it came out in Baptist Press uh, this week. It's uh, not really news, but it's a profile that I think is a good resource, and it's a story on Becky Gardner, um, who is the uh, chairwoman of our board of trustees. And I just love it. It's a really brief interview that Seth Brown did with her, uh, but I think it is worth reading for me. As a, as a female uh, in the SBC, it was just really encouraging. And it was because of her sort of humble spirit, her attitude, which was just saying, you know, she, she says, I have the philosophy that if God opens the door, I need to walk through and just really not, not taking the idea of being the chair of the, 
you know, board of trustees is anything to be grasped, but just to say, I'm here to serve. And I, I think a lot of her, I've enjoyed being around her uh, the last few years when she's here on campus, um, just serving on the board. I'm excited uh, to see uh, what the next two years hold under her leadership. She is just a woman of great integrity, uh, but there's just some really great quotes, real, um, really great quotes in there. So I wanted to just throw that out there as my resource. All right. That's awesome, Amy. And uh, I loved that interview. It was exciting to see that news from Southeastern as well whenever it broke uh, just a few months ago. So uh, we really appreciate all that our trustees do and uh, the leadership that they show and steward uh, for our institutions. My resource of the week kind of hits close to home. In-store events at Lifeway. Uh, This is something that we're doing a lot more of now. If you live close to a local Lifeway, you need to kind of pay attention to some of the things that are going on in-store. We've kicked off a bunch of in-store events. Like every week, there's like a a preschool story time. There's a Bible story time. There's different things going on all the time. Uh, Almost every Saturday, maybe every other Saturday, maybe one Saturday a month. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, We've got some kind of special family-oriented event uh, this Saturday, actually tomorrow, is an ice cream event in the stores. You can stop by your local Lifeway store, I think from like 10 to 1 or something like that, and they'll have ice cream sandwiches for the family, uh, some special discounts, special opportunities, uh, just just some different things. Uh, we went a couple of weeks ago to our local Lifeway store. There was a, a s'mores, like a, a campfire-type event. Uh, it, it didn't have a campfire, but they had s'mores makings, and you can come and make s'mores and lemonade and, and different things like that. So that was kind of fun. The kids played some games. Uh, and, and got some you know little prizes and, and a couple of free books. So if you're near a local Lifeway, check out the in-store events. Those are really cool. We're doing a lot more of those now, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So that's going to do it for us this week on SBC This Week. Amy, uh, I hope you have a great time in Japan, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.